Hello, live from Mexico City. It is my podcast, My Mexican Mistakes. And I call it that because since I moved to Mexico City in June of 2019, just a few months ago, I make plenty of mistakes. And I'd like to share them with you as well as share how great Mexico City is. Um, And I know I'm a little bit behind on these podcasts Things were a little hectic, Um, but one of the things I did during this intermission was spend Mexican Independence Day, September 16th, in El Centro, which is, as you may be able to tell from the name, El Centro, the city, the center of the city, El Center of the city. Um, It is the oldest part of Mexico City, I'm pretty sure. And it is the part of Mexico City with the biggest buildings and the tiniest sidewalks. And part of El Centro, the biggest part of El Centro, if you ask me, is the plaza or square known as El Zocalo, which I've talked about before. Um, But El Zocalo plays a very important part in this podcast because it is the heart the beating, lively, filled with 10 million people heart of Mexican Independence Day. Now, today is October 5th. It's a Saturday. Mexican Independence Day technically is September 16th. I say technically because unlike any other holiday I have ever experienced, um, even though Independence Day is technically one day, September 16th, It goes on for days and days and days. Now, the Independence Day celebrates the War of Independence, the Declaration of Independence in Mexico from Spain, because up until that point, Mexico was known as New Spain, which I would just like to point out, you would think the people in Spain could come up with a better name than, oh, let's call this New Spain. You know, uh, no, that was really poor brand management. Uh, But it doesn't matter because it wasn't New Spain for long. Um, It was Mexico when Mexico declared independence. Now, the War of Independence took 10 years, which is a long time, not as long as the Hundred Year War, which I there were plenty of intermissions during that war, believe me. Um, but I have a theory that the reason why the Independence Day celebrations go on for so long is because the war took 10 years. So when you think about it, if the war took 10 years, I agree, one day to celebrate is not enough. So I went uh, to spend four days of Independence Day of that one day, took four days, um, and I spent it in El Centro. Because believe me, other than that, I wouldn't have gone near El Centro for Independence Day. I don't like to go to Navy Pier on the 3rd of July because it's a madhouse. Navy Pier on the 3rd of July is like Mayberry RFD compared to Mexico City starting from when I started on the 14th of September going right through, or the 13th of September, right through to September 17th. 
it was four days of non-stop activities. And by activities, here's what I mean. Like 10 million people coming into the Zocalo. Um, now, the Zocalo is this gigantic plaza, like I said, right in the center of the center. It's like El Centro de El Centro of the city. It's a huge plaza with nothing in it, you know, typically, except for the biggest flag I have ever seen in my life. The flag of Mexico that's in the center is so big, I think you can see it from an airplane. Um, and it's just this beautiful, empty, gigantic plaza. And then the plaza is lined with some of the biggest buildings you'll see in your life. The presidential palace, which you could live in that presidential palace with your whole family and your extended family and your coworkers, and you would you would never have to see each other if you don't want to. Um, and I guess the president doesn't live in the palace because it would be very embarrassing to live in any place that big unless you had like, you know, 75 children. And then you and your children could live in that palace and you probably each have your own room and your own bathroom because that's how big it is. But um, I guess for Independence Day, usually, not always, but usually the president does hang out on the balcony and he does the scream, El Grito, the scream for independence that a priest did to kick off the war like around 11, 12 o'clock at night. Now, I don't know what a priest was doing in church between 11 and 12 at night um, back in those days because they didn't even have electricity. But um, he was with some other people and they were like, hey, let's throw off the yoke of Spain because they're totally bugging us and we want to be free. So that was El Grito, but they didn't say it exactly that way. So close to midnight or at midnight, the president stands out on the balcony with, in this case, his wife and a couple of friends. I guess he doesn't have a ton of friends because one of the criticisms I read was that, oh, look how lonely the president looks up there. But he did have his wife and two friends. So, you know, I don't know. How many friends are you going to have? He's pretty old. Um, so you don't have a ton of friends, right? Um, or maybe that's just me. But um, so, you know, I can't tell you if he looked lonely or not, because to me, he always looks the same. Plus, I'm the last person who's going to criticize the president of Mexico, especially as I'm watching the president of the United States of America try to destroy the United States of America with his good friends, the Secretary of State, who I want to punch I want to knock that smile off his face. And uh, the attorney general, who makes me embarrassed to say I was a prosecutor. But that's another story. So I'm not criticizing the president of Mexico because there's plenty to criticize at home. But anyway, so at midnight, the president stands out on the balcony and he yells out a chant and people chant back. Now, you would think that since I went to Mexico, to, to the center of Mexico, El Centro, and got a hotel room for four days, you would think I could give you a more accurate rendition of what actually goes on at midnight. I cannot because by that point, the Zocalo was so crowded. I don't know. I, I, 
I can't even explain how crowded it was, except if you saw the plaza when it was empty, and then you saw like the 5 million people in the plaza by the time it got to midnight, um, you would know what I'm talking about. And I could not put myself in the middle of that crowd. So when it came time for El Grito, I was actually a little bit away from the very center of things because I am never the person who's at the very center of things unless it involves a telenovela. And then, yes, I would be totally right in the center of things. But anyway, um, I jumped a little bit ahead of where I wanted to be because what I want to tell you is, you know, I get to El Centro um, on the 13th of September, and I this podcast is called My Mexican Mistakes, and this was the big mistake I made, and this has nothing to do with being in Mexico. I got the date wrong on Independence Day, and that's because I didn't look it up. I just had it in my head, oh, Mexican Independence Day, the 14th of September. Therefore, I will check into a hotel on the 13th so I can be there for El Grito, like the night of, um, and then the next day, Independence Day. That would, be, would have been great if Independence Day had actually been on the 14th, but it was on the 16th. And so I had a hotel right off El Zocalo, prime real estate, for the 13th and 14th, which are not the days... I mean, don't get me wrong, there were plenty of people down there, and every hour there were more people. Every minute there were more people to come celebrate. But the actual, um, it's like New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Uh, The actual, uh, you know, celebrations begin like late, 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 late at night on the 15th, and then the big parade is on the 16th. But the biggest thing is... El Grito, which happens like right about midnight, um, going into the 16th. So I made my hotel reservations, great hotel, free snacks and water for guests. You cannot go wrong. 24 hours, free snacks and water. And by snacks, I mean ham sandwiches and things like that. Uh, Potato chips, three in the morning. I'd like a ham sandwich and some chips. And it's free if you're a guest. refrigerators full of cold bottles of water on every floor for the guests. It was a great little hotel. Not expensive, really, really nice staff and clean and beautiful rooms. So uh, anyway, once I figured out that I booked my hotel for not exactly the wrong dates, because it was still pretty festive, um, I, you know, tried to extend the reservation into the 15th and the 16th. And um, no, that was not happening because by that point, a lot of the rooms in the Zocalo were sold out because everybody wants to be in the Zocalo at midnight going into the 16th. So I couldn't extend the stay at my, at my hotel. So I did find another hotel not too far in a slightly different location, still in Centro, the Hilton Reforma on Juarez. Um, And so I made a reservation there for the nights of the 15th and the 16th so that I would still be in the action but not exactly in the heart of the action. 
So uh, that was, you know, a little disappointing. Uh, my mistake, of course, and like I said, not even a mistake I can blame on my the fact that I don't speak Spanish, don't understand the metric system, don't understand the money here still. Um, no, that was just a mistake born of, oh, I know what day Mexican Independence Day is. It's September 14th. That's like saying, oh, yeah, Christmas, December 23rd. Um, because believe me, I can't imagine Christmas is even bigger here than Independence Day. And let me explain why I say that. So you have this huge, huge Zocalo. Um, it is lined with, you know, the gigantic cathedral, um, the presidential palace, some other ginormous buildings, and, and they surround the Zocalo. And then also inside of that, surrounding the Zocalo, are vendors for Independence Day. I mean, there's a ton of people selling stuff all the time in the area of the Zocalo. But for Independence Day, it's almost like the law that everybody has to have a souvenir stand every five feet selling fantastic souvenirs. Yes, scarves, T-shirts, umbrellas, balloons, things like that, everything red, white, and green, everything Independence Day. Then T-shirts, shawls, shawls, um, uh, ponchos, jackets, umbrellas, uh, all sorts of you know gear for Independence Day. A lot of stuff with Frida Kahlo's face on it, lots. But there was, there's some very unusual souvenirs. One of them are purple wigs. I don't know what purple wigs have to do with Mexican Independence Day, but I saw a ton of them at every souvenir stand. Now, a friend of mine asked me, had I bought any of the gigantic fake eyelashes they sell at the souvenir shop? And the answer to that would be no, because it would not occur to me that they would sell gigantic fake eyelashes at the souvenir stands. Unfortunately, he told me about this a little bit too late, and so by the time I started looking for them at the souvenir stands, I was told repeatedly they were sold out. Um, and then they offered me a purple wig. In some places offered me the gigantic Zapata mustache, which is also, I don't want to say it's a big seller because plenty of places had the gigantic mustaches left. And I did see a lot of people, men and women, wandering around with gigantic Zapata mustaches. Um, and purple wigs. Uh, but I could not get my hands on the gigantic fake eyelashes, and I did see people wandering around with them. Some of them were purple. Some of them were remarkably red, white, and green. That's how big the eyelashes were that they could get three colors on them. It's, uh, there was, I mean, everything was for sale at the souvenir stands. The souvenir stands, like I said, and I'm not exaggerating, were like five feet apart and everybody was selling the same stuff. It wasn't like, oh, I think I'll go to that souvenir stand. They have, you know, more of a selection. No, they all have the same selection. It's the same. These gigantic, they're like balloons, but they're in the shape of pencils and they light up. Again, I am not sure what the connection is to Independence Day, but you, I saw kids all over the place with, you know, pushing these balloons, hitting them in the air. Um, people started lining up in the Zocalo 
by the time I first got there, which was on the 13th, and we weren't moving, getting into the Grito till like midnight, you know, on the 15th, going into the 16th. But people started getting their places. Um, and I don't know how they were going to spend, you know, two and a half days out there, but I guess they did. Um, because every day that Zocalo got more and more filled with people. There's a, a gigantic stage. Um, and there were musical acts, singers, dancers, people making speeches, um, some comedy. Uh, and that started about, like, during the day of the 15th, leading up, you know, into El Grito. Um, but I could tell every time I popped out, that that Zocalo was getting more and more crowded. Now, wherever there wasn't a souvenir stand, there were food vendors. And I'll tell you something, I had plenty of uh, churros, corn, you know, just the corn was so good because they were like these gigantic ears of corn that are grilled. And, um, and then they put like crema on them and salt and lime and they're roasting them out on the street, and the smell's fantastic. Uh, delicious, uh, just delicious snacks, delicious food. Um, and they, there had to be a lot of food vendors. At first, I thought it was a remarkably high amount of food vendors, even for Mexico City. And I say that because you can't go two feet in the city without running into a bakery, um, a guy with a cart with like 17,000 different kinds of potato chips. Don't forget the hot sauce. Um, and candy stands and uh, people selling, you know, of course, the obligatory, you know, the tacos out on the street. But on top of the tacos, the pastries, the bakery shops, the carts, like I said, with chips, candy, it it never stops. You, I you can't walk two feet without running into something to eat. And those are under normal circumstances, non-holiday food regulations. You will never be deprived of anything to eat unless you're walking you know, more than one block. Um, but if you're walking more than one block, you'll, after that, you'll run into something else to eat. Don't worry. Under viaducts, there's like thriving rotisserie chicken industries. Um, there, everywhere you look, there's delicious food to eat and things to drink. But for the holiday, for Independence Day, there's like twice as many food vendors. But I think that's because people really need a lot of stamina because, the, you know, there's nowhere to sit and everybody's standing in the Zocalo. There's no chairs. I don't know where people get like the strength from to go on. There's families walking to the Zocalo all day long during these Independence Day celebrations. And the families include elderly people in wheelchairs and babies in strollers. Add that to just the masses of people that don't need assistance walking. And then ask yourself what I asked myself for four days in a row. Where are they all going to the bathroom? Because I didn't see any portable toilets. Now, I have to say that, you know, by the time it got close to the evening of El Grito, I was not exactly in the Zocalo. 
Um, but so maybe there were eventually portable toilets put up. But I would just, it was all I was wondering was what if somebody just wants to sit down? Forget about the bathroom. What if you just want to sit down? I'm tired. I just want to sit. There's a ton of places to sit out on the street in Mexico City, but there's only so many of them. And in the Zocalo, there are none. And that must be to discourage sitting in the Zocalo because it's like, you. it looks like an airplane runway, the Zocalo. That's how big and yet uncluttered it is. And so all I could think of is, my gosh, like what if like just somebody wants to sit and or go to the bathroom? Um, I did notice something though. I, I think it was like my second night. So we're getting closer to El Grito. And I noticed that a lot of places that weren't businesses had signs up. Well, let me say this. A lot of businesses had signs up that said bathrooms are only for customers. Um, a lot of the hotels were, by the time we got closer to the Grito, were only letting people in that were guests of the hotel or guests of guests. Um, and so you had, on the one hand, businesses that would only let people in to use the bathroom if they were customers, no public restrooms. But then here's the other side of that coin, and this fascinated me. I saw a lot of places that looked almost like storefronts, um, or they were entrances to apartment buildings with signs up that said, like, you could use the bathroom for five pesos. So people were turning their private bathrooms into businesses, which is so consistent with Mexico City where every single thing is for sale. The last two days of my trip in Centro, I was, like I said, I was staying at this hotel on Juarez, which is one of those gigantic wide streets, um, so wide that it takes like 10 minutes just to get across it, like part of planning your day is crossing Juarez. Um, but uh, you talk about everything for sale. And by the way, like if you want one egg from the grocery store, nobody is making you buy a carton. You can just buy one egg. That's how much everything is for sale here. Nobody says no. And, you know, anything that you would like, there it is. The best example I have seen of this yet was the like square or park across from the Hotel on Juarez, which is called the Alameda. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And typically, it's just like a beautiful square. There's so many of these lovely squares here where you can just sit and relax. And maybe there's a little fountain, um, some people selling artwork. Um, always, I love the plazas. But the Alameda, at least for this Independence Day weekend, was set up like the world's greatest outdoor shopping mall. And by this... I mean, like, let's say you were with your friends and one of you wanted a blanket and one of you wanted to buy a gold chain and one of you wanted to buy a crepe. All three things could be found at Alameda Square for sale. Um, let's say one of you wanted a book and one of you wanted an ice cream cone. There it would be in the plaza at Alameda Square, both things for sale. 
I'd like a gigantic uh, ear of corn on the cob. I would, uh, the other person would like a painting. Oh, I know where both can be found, Alameda Square. In this relatively small square, everything was for sale. Crepes, jewelry, sweaters, records, corn, ice cream, ham sandwiches, socks, shoes, tacos pastor, um, you, whatever it is you could think of that you'd like to buy, makeup um, and some maybe a uh, potato pancake, go to Alameda Plaza. So as you can imagine, I spent a lot of time wandering that plaza because there was nothing I could think of that I would like to buy that wasn't for sale. Um, I, I didn't buy all those things because I'm kind of a bum here and I'll be moving from place to place after January. So I really don't buy a lot, but just the idea that all of this stuff was for sale and the crepes were awesome, the crepes and the corn. Um, But anyway, so those were the last two days of my days in Central were spent on uh, the hotel on Juarez, which I thought was going to be bad because I had to leave the hotel that I loved so much in Central with the free snacks. But actually, it kind of worked out good because it was still Centro, but it was a different part of Centro. And I sort of had a front row seat for the military parade because that's what the big parade is on Independence Day, the military parade. Like we kicked ass, we kicked the Spanish out, and now we have a big military parade. But before I get to that, I do want to tell you that I did have to suffer because of my mistake, and it wasn't just leaving the hotel in Zocolo. It was leaving the hotel in Zocolo, having to carry my luggage to the next hotel, because I didn't know that all of the streets running off the Zocolo were going to be blocked by the time it got to the day before Independence Day. So there was no way in or out. You know, cabs would take people as close as they could, but then you had to walk. And so, of course, I you know overpacked dramatically for my four-day stay in Centro, um, but there was no way around it. I had to leave that hotel, and I had to walk, and it wasn't just walking, carrying a lot of stuff I didn't need. I was, at this point, walking against the tide of thousands pouring into the Zocolo, because I was walking away from the Zocolo towards the next hotel. I can't tell you if I was walking north, south, east, or west. You know, in Chicago, I was so arrogant about always knowing which way I was going and which direction was which, and I never got lost. I knew everything. Um, But I realized that what made it so easy to never get lost in Chicago, to always know my directions, was because the lake, you know, everybody in Chicago knows this, the lake is east. And so once you know where you are, where the lake is vis-a-vis to where you are, you know exactly where you're going and you know exactly what direction you're going in. I thought it was some innate ability I had until I got here and realized I never know which direction I'm going. I have no innate abilities of any kind, And this is one of the reasons why I'm perpetually lost. Um, But I knew this. When I was leaving the hotel in the Zocolo for the hotel on Juarez, 
Juarez, they weren't very far apart. I had no way, I had no direction, I'm sorry, I had no sense of the direction I was walking in, but I knew I was walking the wrong way to the extent that I was walking away from the Zocalo and everybody was walking towards the Zocalo. I don't really think you need to bus people into Mexico City for anything because there are plenty of people here, but I have a feeling that they were bussing in people from all over Mexico because everybody in Mexico City was in the Zocalo and then there were a lot of other people too, I think, because it was just, you can't imagine anything so big filled with so many people and still more people are pouring into it. And yet, I never felt unsafe. I never felt in danger or afraid. I don't like crowds. Well, if I don't like crowds, you're saying to yourself, what the heck were you going to the Zocalo for on Independence Day? I The caveat to that is, if I have a hotel like to duck into every five minutes, I'm fine. It's not the people. It's not having any like place to sit or go to the bathroom or anything like that. But, you know, if you have a hotel nearby, it's great. Um, it's the best of both worlds. It's I love being with all these people. And then the minute you don't love being with all these people, you duck into your hotel. So I can do crowds if I have a hotel very nearby. And I did. Um, but as I was leaving that hotel for the other hotel, and just like, it, you know, it was not like parting the Red Sea because there was no room to part the Red Sea. And me and my bags were just like struggling to get to like a few blocks away where the streets were not blocked and then I could get a cab for the rest of the way. But then by that point, I had already walked so far. Uh, Not that it was so far, but it was so hard. Um, And I had walked enough where it was like, "Uh, the hotel isn't that much further, I'll just keep going. So then I just walked a few more blocks to the other hotel. Um, and, uh, which again, my mistake, but so I get to the next hotel, which was also in a different way, a great hotel because it was, um, it was like there were people there from all over the world and, uh, it, and they had a gigantic, gigantic cocktail lounge right in the middle of the lobby. And they were having a huge party that night for the El Grito so just sitting in that hotel lobby and watching people pour into this party in various kinds of like folk folk dress and uh, some people were wearing very elegant evening wear, others were wearing very traditional, um, I guess the kinds of outfits people were wearing when Mexico declared independence from Spain, I don't know. Um, they were passing out a lot of uh, cocktails and complimentary drinks to celebrate Independence Day in the lobby. Uh, and so it was It was fun and it was festive and it was just one of those big gigantic hotels where like everybody who is anybody is at that hotel for that night. At least I like to think so. Um, and then a guy did walk into the hotel with a shotgun, which I have to admit was not something you typically expect to see in the lobby of the Hilton. Um, and, uh, and the security guard looked at it and I guess thought it was okay. Um, and the guy was wearing like some kind of a mariachi costume. 
So I didn't think he came in to kill anybody, you know, in the mariachi costume. Um, you never know. But I felt pretty good once I got a look at his getup. Uh, and then his family greeted him. They weren't sitting too far from me. I guess they'd been waiting for him. And so um, then he came in with the shotgun. And I thought, well, let's see if anybody yells at him now for being late. But the best part was all the kids were like, they wanted to see the shotgun. So then he let them see the shotgun. So then I knew the shotgun either had to be a fake or it had to be empty. Um, and, you know, one of the girls had the shotgun. It was kind of pointing it around and didn't exactly point it at me, but sort of pointed it in the general direction I was sitting. And I thought, well, if I get shot to death by some nine-year-old girl in a beautiful little costume in the lobby of the Reforma Hilton, it will certainly be an unusual way to go. Yet people would be talking about my death, I think, for a long time. Um, but, uh, you know, nothing happened and she didn't shoot anybody. And of course he wouldn't have given her the shotgun if it was loaded, I like to think. And again, he was wearing a mariachi costume. So I don't think he posed a threat to anybody. Um, the person in the scenario I had the least amount of confidence in was the security guard who looked at it. In much the same way, I, you know, when I was a prosecutor, didn't have a lot of confidence in the sheriff's, you know, ability to clear the gun um, that we would use in our trials. And I one time threw a judge into a panic when I picked up the gun in my trial to give an example of some crazy argument I was making. And then the judge was in a panic and I got yelled at. But the gun was empty. Um, and uh, I don't know who cleared it, but it, I, it was empty. But anyway, I, I digress. So, uh, you know, it was a very exciting time, as you can imagine, not the least of which was the nine-year-old girl pointing the gun at me. Um, and that was the night of the Grito. So I wasn't going back to the Zocalo, but I wasn't going to go too far from the Zocalo. And so I was near the plaza of Las Bellas Artes, and um, I was watching some fireworks, and there were musicians, and again, very festive. Everybody was there having a good time. Everybody seemed to be getting along great. I never saw one problem, which again, unlike Chicago, when you are taking your life in your hands at some major event downtown, um, not so in Mexico City. Um, and, I, you know, I suppose the police arrested people, you know, for doing various things, but I never saw anything wrong. I never felt in danger, was ne not worried for a moment, despite the fact that the crowds were like in the gazillions by this point. And I saw some fireworks, and it was just a fun, fun night. But that's why I can't tell you exactly what goes on with El Grito in El Zocalo, because I was a bit away from that uh, spectacle. The next day, which is day four, I was exhausted. And I hadn't done anything except run in and out of my hotel 15,000 times a day. The next day was the actual Independence Day, the 16th, and that's the day of the big military parade. Now, I didn't know it was going to be a military parade. Somebody just said, oh, that hotel is a perfect spot for viewing the parade because the parade goes right past it. And, you know, I don't mind a nice parade. Um, 
But, and I have no quarrel with the military, um, but this was a military parade, which is different from like the Chicago St. Patrick's Day Parade when a bunch of people who are running for office are marching and it's freezing cold and there's a lot of floats with a lot of drunk people and the plumbers union, the electricians union, the carpenters union, the this union, the that union, blah, blah, blah. No, nothing like that for the military parade. There is no nonsense in this parade. Battalion after battalion, you know, of like the Marines and the Navy and the Army and the Air Force and, uh, you know, just every, whatever is in the military was in this parade. You know, but it's the Mexican military. So, and they have a lot of different units. And, but the unit that got the biggest and most enthusiastic and joyful greeting. And if I was in the military, this would be the unit I would want to be in because it was super popular. It's the unit of the army that feeds people, I guess, when there is a disaster. Or maybe they also feed the troops. I don't know. My Spanish isn't that good. All I could tell is that there were trucks with kitchens inside but the trucks were open on the side and then people were pretending they were cooking. This is like a welcome site in any parade. Um, and it was people and they were waving and happy. They were like the happy people because the other people that were marching had to be totally serious, you know, with the guns and, you know, doing a lot of fancy stepping um, and saluting. But the people who are working the trucks where they're feeding people they're very happy, even though they were just pretending to cook. Um, and so everybody went crazy when they came by. It was sort of like, you know, the Red Cross, I guess. Except, like I said, I'm not sure if they just, if it's the army feeding just civilians, if there's like an earthquake or something, or if they also feed the army. But in any event, everybody loved them. They were like the most popular act. And then, you know, you had just tons of, you know, airplanes flying in formation and helicopters flying in formation. And Juarez, which, like I said, is a super wide street, was lined on both sides with people that were, you know, watching the parade. And after a while, you know, it would get a little bit too much of the same, a lot of marching. And so then I'd go back in the hotel, then I'd go back out. And that pretty much went on all day because that parade goes on all day. And while the parade is still going, there's still people selling souvenirs, uh, jewelry, earrings in red, white, and green, bracelets in red, white, and green, still no eyelashes, still some wigs left, lots of um, flags and little flags and big flags. And I really think you'd make a fortune at this parade if you sold stools, like places to sit, because I'm always obsessed with a place to sit. Now, this was one of the most unusual parts of the parade, if not the most unusual. Uh, after uh, every different aspect of the Mexican military, you can imagine, walked by or marched by, I should say, now we heard from other countries. Lots of countries in, Central, in South America sent like their armies to march um, or parts of their armies. And, uh, you know, people were, like, waving and yelling and, you know, cheering them on. 
um, hi, Argentina, you know, hi, Uruguay, um, thank you, Brazil, whatever. Tons of armies from South America. But, and then, like, oddly, there was a battalion from Poland. And I don't really understand the connection. And I don't think many of the spectators really got that either. But everybody was happy to see him and cheering him on. Um, nobody was rude. And, or like, you know, what are you doing here? But this was the weirdest part. The, an army from Spain was marching. Now, if the whole point of the festivities of Independence Day, if the whole point of the 10-year war, which maybe just settled into a grudge at some point, um, but if the whole point of the War of Independence was to throw off the yoke of Spanish rule, then why was the Spanish army marching up Juarez? I have no idea. And nobody, I asked, don't think I didn't ask people, hey, what's Spain doing here? Nobody really had an answer. All they said was they march every year, which doesn't really answer the question, but I was not pushing it. If I ran that parade, I'll tell you what would have made things more interesting have the Spanish march army marching up Juarez and then the Mexican army chasing them to recreate the battle of the War of Independence. That would be at least, you know, something fun, entertaining, and would make a little bit more sense. Um, but anyway, the parade went on and on and on, and then the parade ended, and that technically is the end of Independence Day. As I said, I got to Centro on the 13th. Things were already up and running. The festivities were well on their way on the 13th, which means, what, did they start the 12th, the 11th? Um, and it ends at the end of the parade on the 17th. They kept Juarez Avenue open for a little while, which you can't imagine how awesome it is when streets that are normally open to cars are closed to cars and open only to pedestrians because I never feel so free in Mexico as when the streets are closed and I am not terrified of crossing them. Um, it's, it's a remarkable, it's like my own war of independence. Like I'm free, I'm free of the cars. Um, and so for a little while longer, Juarez was closed to cars and it was great. I went back to the Alameda to see what else was for sale. Um, and then, uh, you know, it all kind of ended about five o'clock when the rain started. And what's really, really miraculous is that this is the rainy season here in Mexico City. Now, I've never experienced the rainy season, right? Because I'm from Chicago. So I have experienced polar vortex season, thunder snow season, snowpocalypse season. Um, I have experienced blazing hot summer season, but I've never experienced the rainy season. We're still in it, although I guess it's going to be winding down, but it hasn't yet. And then the rainy season here, that means it rains almost every single day at five o'clock, like it's the law. Like, oh, it's five o'clock, it's got to start raining. I don't care how nice and sunny and clear it is at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. 
Oh, look, it's 75 degrees. The sun is still shining. I guarantee you by 5 o'clock, it's going to start raining. Doesn't always rain hard. Doesn't always rain for a long time. Um, but it rains every day at 5 o'clock. But yet, for that four-day celebration leading up to the uh, indep- actual Independence Day and the parade, no rain. Everybody was just out having a great time. Nobody was rained on. And then when it was all over, 5 o'clock, it started raining. And it rained for a long time. But in a way, it was good. It was like, okay, everybody, you have had enough. You've been out. You've been eating and shopping and waving around flags. And your kids have been banging around balloons and you've had a great time, a three, four-day celebration. And now, even though you want to remain patriotic and stay out, you have to go in because it's raining a little bit. But it wasn't a little bit. It was a lot. And so it did sort of quiet everything down. And then you would think the next day, which was the day I left, um, you would think the city would almost be hungover. And I don't mean alcohol, you know, hangover. I mean like a tired hangover. Like, we have been partying and celebrating independence for almost as long as the Battle of Independence. And we're very tired. But no, the next day after Independence Day, that city was back up and running and back to business. Because believe me, the business of Mexico is business. As I said, I everything that you could want to buy is for sale. Um, and it is the most thriving capitalistic system I have ever seen. Whoever was afraid that Mexico was going to become a communist country had no idea what they were talking about because this city, I can't speak for the whole country, although I can't imagine it's different, but I've spent enough time in Mexico City and have been around enough stores to see that Everything is being sold everywhere. For every store, there is an outdoor store. And for every outdoor store, there is an outdoor uh, food vendor. There is, uh, you know, you're sitting outside at a cafe and people walk up and down trying to sell you rugs and sheets and sweaters and uh, candy and purses you can't be anywhere without people trying to sell you things. Things that are homemade, things that are from China. Um, I mean, it runs a gamut. So it, uh, it is really the business of Mexico City, at least, is business. And great food, um, even under the viaducts. I hope that you've enjoyed this little trip into Mexico City and my celebration of Mexican Independence Day. Um, And I hope you'll join me next time for the next episode of My Mexican Mistakes. Hasta luego. Gracias for listening and hasta luego.